0: Thanks for stopping by the Pretty Intense podcast. On the show is Anita Morjani. Anita had a near death experience. Uh, She had cancer uh, for four years and was given days to live. And she had a near death experience that shifted her entire reality and she essentially dissolved her cancer within weeks. So she's an author as well. She's written six books. Her newest book is called Sensitive is the New Strong, but her original based on her near-death experience was called Dying to Be Me, which was a big time bestseller. Look, the story is out there about exactly what happened with this near-death experience. And so there's alluding to it within what we talked about, but more than anything, it's really about the lessons learned. It's about what she learned on the other side, how to live in this reality. What are the energies that are operating this reality and controlling the experience that we're having? And how do we get to them? Like, How can we live in a different reality for ourselves? Which then if we all do that, it's a different reality in general. So for anyone out there struggling on any level, especially if there's any illness with you or anyone around you, this is a must listen to. Given the fact that this world puts a lot of fear into us and we talk about the danger of, dangers of fear, orienting yourself in an entirely new way and focusing on the things that bring you joy and having self-love and understanding how things work here um, might just pay off for you in the long run and you might you might not have to deal with the most difficult things in life please enjoy the show please hit subscribe and the bell for notifications. And um, let me know in the comments. Let me know if you've had any experiences. Let me know what your thoughts are and if this has played into your life at all. What kind of things do you do at the events? So I speak a lot. I share about
1: uh, my near-death experience and I share the lessons that I learned from having been on the other side and how it's affected this life. So I do a lot of speaking events and my husband travels with me. Um, I have a little entourage. My assistant, Abby, She also travels with me. So it's, it's great. I actually love
0: going on the road. Yeah. Do you love being on stage too? Yeah.
1: It's so, of course, I was nervous in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but, um, but now I'm so used to it. I actually, I enjoy the audience interaction. I just, I love, I'd much rather have a real life audience of physical people to talk to than to speak on camera now zoom is fine where i'm talking to you right now it's great um but my least favorite thing to do is when people say just record yourself for 40 minutes of speaking so i'm just speaking to camera and there's no one on the other side (laughs) i dislike
0: that so much (laughs) i do too it feels so impersonal i feel kind of silly i guess i don't know because you're having to because the, there's an energy to the connection and the emotion with people, which we're going to have a whole deep dive on energy, obviously. But like when there's people there, or even just one person asking questions, you're like orienting with some. True energies, there's direction, there's a feeling, there's a connection, there's, but when you're having to do that by yourself to camera and pretend like someone's there, I just am not good at faking things. So like, it's hard for me to basically, if I have to do anything like that, like record a little quick video for like Instagram or a video or something, I, I just tell myself to be as overacting and ridiculous as possible off the top and then it'll be good. (laughs) <laughs> That's
1: actually good advice. I'm going to remember that for when I have to do it. Just overacting. Yeah. Camera.
0: Overacting.
1: <laughs> Somebody once gave me the advice that when you're having photos taken, over smile. Like, huh. do the cheesiest grin. But on a photo, it looks like a million dollar smile.
0: I'm sure there's been so many lessons learned along the way. But of course, like the biggest one coming from your experience, having cancer for four years and, you know, being given days to live and then going through this near death experience where you went to the other side and then being able to essentially eliminate and dissolve the cancer within weeks, correct? Yep. Yep. It was within weeks. What? i want to I'm really curious about the energy. like the energy of fearing something and fearing death and fearing disease that you had when you got up into that point and went up to the point where you had the near-death experience. What is that? what What is happening on a quantum level or an energetic level when you're so afraid of something and essentially focusing so hard to get it right? What's going on? when when i explain it um
1: i i tend to use terminology like like marinade so it's kind of like the marinade it's the marinade we're in right now even and it's what it feels like is that the energy so the the marinade is basically the energy that bathes us it's what you're marinated in Mm. and it feels like our physical reality um seems to really um, I use this word loosely, thrive on fear-based energy, but mm-hmm. it's not thriving. We're all in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so every decision we make comes from a place of fear. And we can say it comes from a place of survival because survival comes from fear of death. You're doing everything you can to avoid death. Yeah. So every decision we make, and and it's the same right now. And you know, the way that our, our, marinade, our culture, our world, our marinade is set up even right now, it's based on fear, fear of failing, fear of dying, fear of disease, fear of illness. But when I left my physical body and I entered this whole other realm, I was in a completely different marinade. Mm. So it literally is like being pulled from one marinade into and being bathed by another. And this other marinade was completely love. It was, I was just bathed in this feeling of just unconditional love. And I sometimes feel the word unconditional is redundant because if love is conditional, then it's not love. Um, but yet on this physical planet, a lot of times love does feel conditional. We feel that we have to, we have to earn it. We have to work hard at maintaining it. But what I realized that if it's really love, it is it is unconditional. If it's not unconditional, then it's not love. It's something else. Um, so basically, I didn't have to do anything to prove myself. I didn't have to do anything to maintain that level of love. I was loved just because I existed.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: when I realized <clears throat> um, just from the contrast of being from one marinade to another, I realized, oh my gosh, this is how I should have been living life with the assumption or the knowledge that I am loved unconditionally. I didn't have to make all my choices and decisions from fear. I could have made them from a place of love. So in other words, instead of a fear of failing and making choices of what do I want to do with my life so that I don't fail, it was more like, it should have been more like, What do I love to do? What do I want to do with my life? Because this will enhance it. This will make my life even more joyful or beautiful. Um, And even things like to do with our bodies here. We are marinated in a feeling of our bodies are like walking time bombs that we could get sick. We could be the next one to get cancer or the next one to get COVID. So what do I have to do to prevent it? Oh, Mm -hmm. let me get all these supplements or let me go for, um, all these, let me do all these self checks. And so our body becomes something we fear, but I realized on the other side that our bodies are actually amazing and powerful and miraculous more than we've ever been led to believe. And, we don't and we're not supposed to fear our bodies we're supposed to love our bodies and see them for the miracles they are and not focus on illness but in fact focus on how well it functions and how it heals from even the smallest thing or the biggest things so it was just the contrast And marinade is just the best word I can come up with.
0: Yeah. Could it, could it be replaced with something like reality or dimension or something like that? Marinade does give a nice visual. Um, but are those kind of exchangeable words? Yes.
1: Yes, they, they are. So it was, so basically I did enter into another reality, another realm, but the interesting feeling was that the purpose of life, was to live that way over here and to not buy into this illusion mm. of fear. Mm. That was the biggest message I got. It's like, like wow, I never loved myself. I never knew I was so loved. I always lived in fear. I didn't know how powerful I was. So I realized that that our purpose here is to break through this illusion of fear. And to realize the truth of who we really are. Mm. And that's and and so the trick was to bring that dimension into this dimension. And that's been the challenge.
0: Of course, of course. How long were you in this experience? Not
1: that long, like 30, 36 hours, like not more than a day and a half. Well, you felt that way long.
0: for that long? Yeah, but wow. it felt yeah. <laughs> I was wow. in a
1: coma and I was like literally out of my physical body. But interestingly, after coming back, it feels like I was in there a lot longer, like a lot longer. It was like time was compressed. Um, everything I experienced there would have taken me years to experience here. So, so that was what was interesting. It felt so much longer after I came back. It's like, oh, was that only about 30, 36 hours? Uh, it felt like a long time.
0: Wow, I'm I'm curious because when I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra. One of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul, to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voidbydanica.com. You telling the story right now reminds me of an experience I had with a lot of the same information, but I didn't, it wasn't a near death. It was just what I would have called like a transcendental experience where I just all of a sudden had this moment. I'm not going to go into a long diatribe about it because I have told the story before a few times on my show. But basically, this dog was sort of a conduit, and I I sat down on the beach, and all of a sudden it popped up next to me, and boom, I was like transported to this energy that was like an energy shaft. It sort of was like a lightness, and the information in this experience was, no matter how far you go, no matter how long you've been gone, no matter what you've done you're always loved and that there was never a need for forgiveness because there's not a judgment in the first place. Yes, you got it. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I sobbed for like 45 minutes after that, just like in this awareness that I could never unfeel or unknow that there's another reality that is, and another, and there's an energy out there that is pure love to the point where you don't even have to forgive anyone cuz you never judged them in the first place. And so I but I didn't get the same takeaway that you did. Like I didn't come away with it thinking wow, I'm 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 now I need to orient in my my life in a different way. It was just some an experience. So I'm I'm just curious like obviously 36 hours is a pretty long time, but what were the actual actions that you did and the things that you changed afterwards because I don't think it changed much at all. (laughs) I mean, the awareness is a shift in my reality. And I I do believe that on an energetic level, I like what would call like jumped timelines and kind of Entered a new a new timeline reality, but my external world didn't reflect my internal world yet. And so that was a process which ended up being my last full-time year as a race car driver and a relationship ending and all kinds of things. So what was it that what was it that you did like to to shift everything in such a short amount of time? I mean, truly your story of being able to eradicate cancer energetically is literally like the future.
1: I'm super excited that you had, you had the experience that you did because you're one of the very few people that has actually said to me that you had an experience where you understood you don't have to forgive people. You're one of the very few people that has said that because I find usually I have to really explain that, that there is nothing to forgive, um, because there is no judgment because the love is unconditional. Mm. Um, so when I came back, um, you know that i I actually think that you've changed more radically than you think because mm-hmm. it literally is just such a shift in thinking that it's almost unconscious that your actions are different than they would have been had you not had this experience yeah so mm-hmm. so it's like just a different feeling so so some of the things that I can tell you that happened. The first thing was that uh, just before I came out of the experience, Mm -hmm. um, I was given a choice as to whether I want to come back or not. So at first I didn't want to come back because it was so amazing on the other side, you know, and, and my body was sick and dying and I was suffering and my family was suffering. And I thought, why would I want to come back into this body? But that was when I got the message that now that you know, the truth of who you really are, your body will heal very, very quickly. And it was that understanding, it was literally the understanding that the only reason I had cancer was because I had never loved myself enough. I'd never believed other people loved me. I'd always lived from this place of fear. I'd always repressed who I am. I'd always denied my own energy. I've always put myself last. I'd been a doormat, a people pleaser. So literally, literally the cancer is my own energy trying to express itself. Whereas my conscious self, my physical self is repressing it. And so when I understood that it was like, oh, wow. All I had to do was let myself express itself. What does it mean for myself to express itself? It means allowing my soul, the soul who who just, who chose to incarnate in this in this time and space through this body, mm. allowing that soul to be all that it intended to be. And that's what I had repressed. I had prevented that soul from being all that it came here to be. And so, when I understood that and came back with the commitment to myself that I will never forsake myself again, meaning I'll never forsake my soul, I'll always let my soul express itself authentically through this body. Once I started to make that commitment, my body just started to heal.
0: In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit Somniumwine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly.
1: Um, So the changes that came. So, so one of the things that I realized also is that we are all connected energetically, we're all connected and together, all of our energies together is what I call God. So Mm. basically. God is the all that is, it's the energy of all of us, it's of everything. So that means each and every one of us is an expression of God. Mm -hmm. So if I deny my own expression, if I deny my soul from expressing itself through me, I'm Mm -hmm. actually denying God. I'm denying God from expressing itself through me. I am denying, even if we want to go a little bit religious, I'm denying God's will. But yeah. um, so, so, who am I to deny God from <laughs> expressing itself through me or expressing herself through me? So, when I realized that we are all an expression of God, um, that's when just things changed for me. And I couldn't live the way that I lived before because, because when I would hear... So, everything changed. The way I perceived the world changed. Oh, everybody's an expression of God. But at the same time, I am as well. So I, so on the one hand, it's one thing to be able to see God in everybody else, but a lot of people who are, um, who, who are spiritual and who are able to see God in everyone else, they're not always able to see God in themselves. And, they, and And they allow themselves to be walked all over by other people. And that's kind of how I was before the near-death experience so one of the biggest behavior changes for me is that prior to the near-death experience um i was brought up to be spiritual or religious and spiritual i was brought up a hindu and i was brought up to believe to to actually see um to to serve other people to help other people which is all great they're all great traits and to see god in other people all great traits but i never saw god in myself and that was the biggest shift for me, because I would always put everybody ahead of me, even if I was depleted. So even when I had cancer, even when I was at the final stages of cancer, I didn't learn my lessons from the illness. I didn't learn my lessons from having cancer because even at that point, I worried more about the people who were taking care of me than I was about myself. I didn't want people to go out of their way to help me. I would worry more about making them tired than I was about my own illness. It was always about them. It was always about them. It was it was not the illness that helped me to realize that I also have God expressing herself through me. It was death that made me realize that. It was death that taught me to see God in my own eyes. And that's really the biggest thing I learned that healed me.
0: Let's talk about fear a little bit. I'm I'm curious about what that fear is telling us, like what's the information when we get scared and what is a way to alchemize that and turn that into self-love? How do we reframe it?
1: The fear is telling you what you don't want. and And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, If the fear is telling me what I don't want, then what is it that I do want? Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to focus on. And we need to love and value ourselves enough to actually attract what we do want and to actually set our focus on what we do want and to align ourselves with what we do want. And a lot of people say things like, um, oh, you know, I try everything to attract what I want. It doesn't come to me. The key is, though, do you feel that you are deserving and worthy of it? That's the, for me, that's the secret sauce. It's always the only work we need to do is to really um, take, remove the blocks that prevent us from feeling that we are worthy and deserving of unconditional love. That's really all there is. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. It's that. All of us are loved unconditionally. There's no question about it. Every single one of us is loved unconditionally. I just wish everybody knew that. And so our only work is to remove the blocks that prevent us from knowing that.
0: Yeah, because perception is reality. And you're a perfect example of that. Your perception, when it was one versus the other, had monumental differences in your reality But your perception had to change. So, my favorite quote is by Henry Ford, and it's whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right. So, (laughs) what is it that's actually operating this experience for us?
1: That's a big question. That's a really big question. When you say, What is it that's operating this experience? Do you mean, what is behind us? What is behind our eyes, or what is in the other realm?
0: I love to understand, like, what is the true nature of reality? Like, are there universal laws? Are there wh- what is it that drives our reality? There's now proof that inanimate objects don't exist unless observed, like non localism. It's these things are coming through. So when I feel like when I understand what's really happening and what creates our reality, I will know how to play the game better. And I will know how to live a more joyful life, more more fulfilling, more peaceful, uh, expansive life. And so... I'm curious if you were given any information about universal laws or what it is that's actually creating our reality.
1: The way it felt for me, it truly was um, exactly that, exactly as the quote you just quoted. It's exactly like what you believe will be your truth. And it's as simple as that, that if in You know, whether you believe something is true or not, It's that's what you're going to manifest. What it felt like for me was that everything that I had been taught about life was the opposite of how life should actually be lived. Mm -hmm. And so that means that even what I had been taught about rules and laws, and I'm talking even about universal truths and rules and laws, Everything that I had been taught but every uh, versus everything that I experienced when I was actually in the other realm was totally opposite. And the first thing I, I started to wonder is, why aren't we taught this? I mean, surely there are other people that have experienced what I'm experiencing. And I realized, and, and actually what I wanted to know was why didn't I know this when I was born? And what came to me was that I did know this when I was Maybe born, you did. <laughs> I did know it, but it was conditioned out of me. So, so one of the things that I realized when I was on the other side, a, what I would call one of, I like to call it a universal truth, but usually when I speak about it, I tell people it's my truth because sometimes people don't like to hear that, that you're ex- espousing a truth for everybody. So I tend to say, this is my truth and it works for me. Um, and so one of them is that, that you really, really do have to um, love and value yourself first above and before anyone else. And this is a tough one for many people, especially people who are empaths. And this was a really hard one for me, but it's interesting because if you are somebody who is an empath, if you are somebody who does feel sensitive towards other people and you feel sensitive towards the planet and you want to go out there and be in the front lines and help people, um, you tend to be the kind of person that puts yourself last. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm -hmm. me. And that was exactly me. But that is what led to my downfall. That is what led to me being sick. That's what led to the cancer. So. So one thing that I discovered that was really a truth is that you really do, if, if you want to make a difference in the world, because we are all connected, we are all energy first, we are spirit first, physical second. And the the so the other universal truth is that, uh, is that we are actually spirit first. So the more expanded, um, and the more fulfilled your energy is, the more that your physical body can li- can thrive and live happier, healthier, and fulfill its purpose here on earth. And the more you can uplift other people. So that was the other second universal truth, which is still tied to the first one in that because I always um, believed that I had to help other people first, I didn't realize that if I didn't help myself, mm. I wasn't uplifting other people because my energy is connected to everybody else. In other words, if, if we are all connected and my energy is high, I'm automatically lifting the whole. Yeah. And since we're all connected, if I am a doormat, if I'm downtrodden, if I'm depleted and I'm on the verge of getting sick, I'm bringing down the whole.
0: So that was the that was the biggest universal truth I learned. That your energy matters, not only you but everyone else too. Yes.
1: So so let's just take this.
0: Yes, the collective.
1: So basically, if I can rephrase the whole thing, the 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 most important universal truth I understood was that my energy matters because we're all connected. And so if my energy is high, I'm uplifting the people around me. And if my energy is depleted and on the verge of being sick, I'm bringing down the people around me. So my self-love, my worth, my value, my ability to find joy in my life actually matters to the whole. And that was something that we're never taught. I never knew before I was taught the opposite, that I had to give and give of myself and almost be a martyr. And what I didn't realize is that by doing that and depleting myself, I'm actually
0: bringing down the whole. Because there's such a difference between thinking something and feeling something. Can you articulate that difference? I, I... I mean, in my own experience, even actually, like if I reflect back on that story with that dog and my experience on the beach was that like something simple, when I wanted to see the dog, I couldn't, it wouldn't show up. And then as soon as I let go, but not mentally let go, of course, that's part of it. But when I physically, like emotionally in my body let go of it and I was like, it's fine. All of a sudden the dog would appear. It was like magic. Obviously, I got a lot of information on this trip, but like that, that, was, that was an example of letting go and, and, and feeling it. And so I've also done manifesting techniques and meditations where you go into what, is, what it is that you want. You think about why, but then you also embody the elevated emotions having accomplished or done it. Um, and, and, and truly it's magical when you do it, things happen, things can happen so quickly. Sometimes they don't, but, um, but it can. And so there's just a difference between the actual feeling. And I, I kind of think this is what works with people too, is there's such a disconnect between what comes out of someone's mouth and how they actually feel. And that's why a song or a message or something can just like hit home versus, sort of roll off of you is because there's a frequency with truth that's happening. So like, why is that? What's going on that we have to, like, we have to actually feel it? What, what is, what's happening? Why is that the magic sauce?
1: (laughs) That is the magic sauce. So there's a big difference between thinking something and feeling something, a huge difference. Um, So we can stuff our brains with information, but it won't really have an effect. I mean, it's like going to school. You go to school and you fill your brains with all this information, but it's not going to have an impact in the world until something pulls at your heart. So the way I describe it in the language I use is, the heart is the connection to your soul. Your heart tells you why your soul came here, what it wanted to express. Uh, But your head is, so your heart is connected to to the other realm, to to your soul. Your head is connected to this physical realm. Your head is where you need to store the tools to help you navigate on how to get from A A to B. But your heart is the one with the vision because your soul came here with an intention of something to fulfill. And your soul kind of already knows the intention that it came with, even though you always have free will. You have the free will to follow your purpose or not, or to follow your soul's calling or not. I like to use the term calling because it's almost like your future self calling <laughs> you towards it. Sure, yeah. And yet we always have the choice as to whether to follow that or not. Um and so when you know that when you're when you're listening to your heart when you get the when you get chills or when you get those aha moments so you could be listening to a podcast or something and it's just going in your head and it's just going in your head but the minute you get that oh, and you and you want to rewind that bit and you want to play it again because it just it it, it gave you an aha moment something mm. dropped like when you say the penny dropped for mm. me it means it dropped from your head to your heart now mm. you feel it yeah. once you feel it you can't unfeel it. It means it's there. It's embedded in your body. To me, you have to look out for those aha moments and what those aha moments are telling you. It's your soul's way of communicating with you. So it's your soul's way of saying that, Mm. that, that is part of your mission, that. So, so whenever you feel that aha, or you feel the chills or you feel, and I know that anybody listening would know what I'm, talking about. It's like mm-hmm. you can be listening to something and some, su- suddenly it's like, whoa, I get that. um So that is your soul's way of communicating with you.
0: I also love the sort of more proactive side of it, which is calling it in. Like you said, it's calling to the future. And so yes. when you can... Let yourself go there, which includes things like needing self-love, self-worth, because you have to actually believe you deserve it to be able to generate the feeling like you have to kind of that's I because that ends up being one of the hardest parts is like truly viscerally embodying the feeling of gratitude or seeing what you want or having what you want. Um excitement, gratitude, any of those things are hard to access because like cognitively or, or whatever get got programmed as in childhood says, you don't deserve that. You shouldn't have that. You're not worthy of that. Um, and, and so it like serves as like these, like this maze to get through so that you can embody that feeling because it's just, it's such a powerful tool. You had mentioned, um, talking about sort of lives and you know what she came here for and like what about soul contracts reincarnation how much of life is free will versus determinism
1: interestingly in the other realm time doesn't feel linear and it feels compressed Mm -hmm. so i was aware of i i was aware of certain um what i would just call milestones like i didn't i didn't see my entire future unfold before me because we always have free will to go on a different path or to not follow what our soul's calling is so so what i believe is that we come here with the intention to fulfill certain things and and that's what it is it's an intention We come here with that intention that, Oh, I'm going to go into the world and I'm going to change this and I'm going to, and I, um, and then we make, we do make contracts and agreements with other people in, um, other souls. Like I know that my, my husband and I, we are absolutely connected in, in every way we do have a soul contract because I truly knew that when I was in that realm, that if I chose to stay there and not come back. He would not be able to fulfill his his purpose or his his soul's intentions either. That they were completely connected. And when I came back and told him this, he said, "Oh, absolutely." He said that he 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 said he has always known that his um, purpose in this life. He's known that it's a bigger purpose, but yet he's also known that his purpose, and and this is going to sound interesting, but that his purpose was to protect and support me through my journey and and so he actually felt that part of his purpose was to even see me through that experience of death and and help me to come out of it because he was there holding my hand and willing me to come back so when i was not yet in a coma and i would say but i'm dying you know i'm I'm you know i was like saying that but what if i do die and he would say You're not going to die because I'm I'm going to come and get you. He truly believed that his contract was to make sure that I didn't die at that point, that I would be taken to the brink of death and brought back. And the truth is, when I was on the other side, the realization that our contract was linked and that if I died, he would follow soon after was a big part of what brought me back.
0: So you saw that on the other side. This isn't like, I'm curious about the difference between his conviction assisting you versus there actually being the truth of the contract on the other side. So you were able to witness that you had an awareness to that.
1: I had a complete awareness of my soul contract. In fact, with each member of my family, you know, I saw, I saw my brother who is older than me in this physical life. I saw him and me and him in another life where um where he was much younger than me and I was a much older sister and I was almost his caretaker. Mm. And and so while I was there in that NDE state or out, out of my body, I was I was also able to see that right this moment while my physical body was dying, my brother was frantically trying to get on a plane to reach me before I died because he was getting the... So first, even before he got the news that these were my final hours, he felt something. He actually felt something was going on. He just suddenly, he told me this later, he got up in the middle of the night and thought, what am I doing here? My sister is in the hospital, I need to get there. Hmm. And then as he's driving Hmm. to the airport, he gets the phone call from my husband saying, you better come. She's in her final hours. But he's already taken the action to do that. And while I'm in the coma, I nobody told me he was coming. I saw him on the plane coming and I thought, oh, I better not die before he gets here. That would devastate him.
0: What happens if we break these contracts? Did you, did you get any information on that? You know, in a way
1: I did like it wasn't so in that moment, it wasn't even a decision of I better not die at all. It was more like I better not die before he gets here. When I saw the contract, I had it with my husband. If I did break the contract and still choose to cross over, something would happen like in whatever in six months or a year or whatever that would cause him to cross over. And it would be fine. So in a, in a way it would be fine and that we would still be together. We would probably make another contract to try something again, another time, but um, it still felt like, well, we did choose this, this time. So maybe we should go through with it. So, so you, you still always have the choice to go either way, but here's the interesting thing from that realm. Nothing feels really bad, nothing like nothing feels because you're already in death. So nothing feels life and death like it does from this perspective. It Mm. feels much more drastic here than it does there. It's like, oh, it's still going to be okay. from that realm. It always feels everything's going to be okay. But yet when we say it here, it sounds really glib and almost uncaring when someone's going through real heartache and grief and pain and when you tell them everything's going to be okay they're like no but it's not so Mm -hmm. over here we have to honor the pain that people are feeling but from that perspective it really does feel like you know time is compressed so we're going to be together in no time um and so even Mm -hmm. other lifetimes they're all compressed so it's like you have access to all of them Um, but yet you can tell that yes, this one is way before this one, but the other interesting thing that I learned, which I did not know in physical life, I had always thought that lifetimes play, um, a, you know, like you think linear and you think that of course I take the lessons I learned in this lifetime to the next one and karma plays out. And if I did this bad thing in this life, uh, I have to repay it in that life it doesn't work that way on that side. Karma doesn't exist from one life to another. What? Karma is something like over here, it's like, you know, we use expressions like karma's a bitch and, and we kind yeah. of say that what goes around comes around. Sure. It does within this lifetime, um, you know, I mean, kind of like uh, you 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 reap what you sow is what I'm saying. That's all it is, it's you reap what you sow. But when you're in that realm and you're looking at your lifetimes, it's like when you're in this state of being there between lives, you completely erase all the karma. I know this completely went against everything I was brought up to believe. And so I still get a lot of pushback for that from my own, uh, like say from the Indian community, from the Hindu community. Uh, people have a lot of trouble wrapping their mind around it. But just like when you cross over and you realize there's nothing to forgive, even though while you're here, people do feel that, that, oh, this person really, really hurt me and it would be hard to move on before I forgive them for it and, and so on. But on the other side, you, you, you totally get why they did what they did. It's the same with, with even karma. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have Done that if I knew this or, oh, I was set up, you know, like the the life I was living led me to doing this. The karma gets completely erased and then you kind of work on what's the next experience you want to have. And it doesn't mean that if you were a criminal in this life that, that you're going to, that, that you're going to have an awful life next life. You may actually even get to experience the complete opposite and realize, wow, this is what it's like to have a blessed life. That's, you know, I don't need to be a criminal. Do You believe in reincarnation? I do believe absolutely that we have multiple lives. Yes, we do. And so we get to experience different so, things.
0: Okay. So what's the point of reincarnation? I always want, was under the impression it was all about sort of your soul's evolution and growth and that you had to end up sort of making your way through life's lessons um, to achieve a certain sort of frequency, to not have to come back to this reality, which is a lot of duality and suffering and pain. So although
1: that is somewhat true as a whole, as a whole, we are evolving as the idea is to evolve all of us as a whole,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And so if you think about it, like you could even have somebody who is so evolved to even actually choose to come back as a criminal to give the planet Mm -hmm. an opportunity to, um, for example, as an example, to even change a system, a change a system of justice or change Mm -hmm. the criminal system. Somebody could actually be so evolved. It's like, I know this is an illusion i know that i'm going to be fine so i'm going to allow myself to actually take the fall for something go to jail be a criminal be beaten up you know they could actually choose to do that from an evolved space and you don't always know what the person's actual trajectory is it's only on the other side where all of it is kind of known and so this, these are some of the things that I have had to wrap my head around after coming back. It's like, wow, um, karma and reincarnation isn't the way I thought. And the way that we are taught, taught to believe is linear. It's like, I do this and then I yeah. have to evolve more in my next life mm-hmm. and evolve more in my next life. No, you could be super evolved and say, I'm going to go here and be this to give people an opportunity to work uh, or to evolve something that needs to be evolved.
0: Wow. Wow. So can you choose to not reincarnate?
1: Yes, you can actually. You can choose to not reincarnate. What
0: else could you be? Are you ever, I don't know if you believe in extraterrestrials or other other beings in the universe, or is it I just do- a source consciousness? Like what else could you be if you didn't want to be I- human?
1: I do believe that we can be other forms of consciousness and exist on other planes um, and those other planes could even be other planets, they could be existing as on other planets beyond the galaxy. I do believe there's a lot out there that still, that we don't know yet for sure. Uh, I do believe that when we have, that we have uh, what we call ufos or extraterrestrials and spottings of extraterrestrial beings it's actually possibly even our future consciousness traveling back to try and help us from what we're going through right now or it could even be more uh, more evolved versions of ourselves coming to help us and we are heading towards that future because
0: um, um
1: you know if we're touching on extraterrestrials if extraterrestrials yep. i mean they are so advanced if they can come on come here uh, in the craft that they come here i actually believe if they are that advanced if um if they if they wanted to they could have annihilated us but the fact that they haven't means that they're actually trying to um, help us and advance us that's what i believe
0: mm. uh, What do you, do you believe that there's any sort of extraterrestrial meddling with something like, I mean, if we just even, we've been talking about fear and um, how that is sort of the antithesis of what we're supposed to be feeling for ourselves. Um, Like COVID was a giant, giant, giant experience in testing people's limits of fear. So what is that why why did that what is the truth about that
1: um and again this is my perspective it feels almost like we are living in two realities here in the physical and i'm not talking about the reality of the other realm if mm-hmm. we count the other realm then that's three realities so right. i often feel that i have not one foot on each side but mm-hmm. a foot on three sides <laughs> so so what do i mean by that so okay so we have the other realm which is our soul and um you know and for me it's the, the other realm is also um, other beings my my deceased loved ones and i do feel guided all the time i feel i'm communicated they're communicating with me and guiding me all the time and they're trying to communicate. And when I say they, I'm talking about either our higher self, our soul, our, uh, guides, our deceased loved ones. They try to communicate and guide us all the time, but we have to be open to it. Mm -hmm. So that's one reality. Then here in the physical, I've, I feel that we have almost become like two worlds. There is the world that is living in fear. And then there is the world that can see through the fear those are the two worlds that are here.
0: Mm. So I choose that like heaven and hell. Could you call that heaven and hell?
1: Yes. You, you, you pretty much could. So heaven and hell exist right here on earth. It's not in the afterlife. It's right here on earth. Um, and the afterlife is I just call it pure love, pure consciousness, but heaven and hell is right here. And hence the title of one of my books is what if it, what if this was heaven? In other words, you can choose to live in heaven right here. So, heaven is seeing through the fear, hell is living in the fear. The people that live in the fear, they live in the fear because there is a fear of things like a fear of scarcity. They live in a, in a world of scarcity, a world of competition. There isn't enough to go around, so I have to get ahead of everybody else. Um, they live in a world of um, where we are victims, where victims of our reality, victims of illness um the thing is even illness it doesn't happen in a vacuum it happens because of the seeds you sow and you can reverse it so but we're not taught all that the the way that the medical model is designed it's designed to make us feel that we are victims of our illness and we're helpless to them Mm. so um so covid really really um really pounded that that um that in us a lot. So, um, and the education system as well, you know, it's about, it's about, um, getting ahead of everyone else in your class. So when you see through the fear, you realize that there is more than enough to go around, but you just have to be able to see through the fear to, to be able to access it. Mm -hmm. Um, when you see through the fear, you realize that collaboration works better than competition. It gets all of us ahead faster. But unfortunately, the fear is so entrenched in some people that the more you have people that see through the fear, the more fearful the fear based people become. So the more they push their fear based agenda and hold on to it tighter. And that's what I see happening in the world today. But I choose to align myself
0: with the people who see through the fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's um my own experiences have shown me how things aren't just separate. They're part of the same whole. So it's kind of like almost like a teeter-totter where it's like we're all part of the same whole and the more people, you know, like... Have you know are elevating and going? Oh, this is you know the see. I see through the fear. It sinks the other side, and it's sort of like you know it's a it could be a teeter totter. It could be just um a expanding bubble of polarity that's really actually con- con- continuous and 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 connected. Um, Yes. But it does feel like there's just this sort of expanding and contracting of emotions and experiences. And there's one on each side because we live in a time where you could say like, oh, my, there's so many perspectives that you could have that are like, oh, everything is so bad. There's so much corruption. There's so much this. But then you can also look on the other side and go like, we can have this conversation and people understand. Like uh, we can, there is so many more people that are seeing through things. We're seeing the truth, which is Always gonna set you more free. And so yes. there's a lot of actually like extremely progressive and enlightening and wonderful things happening, but there's also the other side of it. Um, I wonder,, uh, like as we're talking about sort of determinism and free will and soul contracts, what about prayer? And what about the power of it, and whether or not we can, alter timelines or futures based on that yes
1: absolutely so it's both prayer and meditation mm-hmm. and group prayer and meditation is very powerful to me mm-hmm. so i tend to organize a lot of group meditation mm. i do that to uplift the planet too so it starts with uplifting yourself because again if you're not uplifted the people around you are going to feel it so group energy, so whether we call it prayer, whether we call it meditation, we are essentially doing the same thing. We are sending out positive vibes and positive intentions to the world. We're expanding our own energy. So this is actually what's happening, whether it's prayer or meditation. You're actually expanding your energy and you're sending it out into the world. So when people come together and do this, um, I'm gonna say when people come together in the same time and space, it's super powerful. But although time and space is really compressed looking at it from the other realm, Mm -hmm. but yet I still feel the energy of it when I bring a group of people together. When I actually, I either do it sometimes online or I do it physically, I put a Mm -hmm. shout out and I say, hey, I'm gonna be here, who wants to join me Mm -hmm. for a group meditation to uplift the planet? And the meditations that I do tend to start with, let's all start with expanding our own energy. Let's all see, see ourselves as being full and whole and healed and loved. And so we start with that. So we feel good about ourselves and then we expand it outward. Um, I really feel that if more and more people, if more kids learn to do it, if it was part of their morning ritual when they get to school with the whole school does it as a morning, you know, a morning prayer or morning meditation. Um, I think we could change the whole planet. I really do.
0: Yeah. I mean, we used to go to school when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure they don't do this anywhere now, but we used to say the um, national anthem. You'd stand up next to your, stand up next to your desk, put your hand on your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Like, you know, I mean, that used to be, so why wouldn't you just have everyone stand up and just sort of visualize their field expanding and strengthening and becoming more positive. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, what's the reframe? What's the reframe or the restructuring for the fastest progression of our planet? If you were to call the shots on what some, I don't know, top three, top five changes that would be the most influential to all shifting our planet into a new frequency, state of consciousness, what would you do?
1: So if it were up to me, I would want everybody to, to change their values. So for example, right now, if you look around the world, cutting edge technology, invention, every form of progression, every form of the way we're evolving, the number one value that it's based on is money it's mm-hmm. based on money that that is behind mm-hmm. everything um, mm-hmm. like if you think about medicine if you think about um health the bigger factor is the money and not the individual person's health yes. if you think about education teachers aren't getting paid as much as they should considering they're molding young people's lives like the biggest factor behind every single evolution in in this in our current modern world is money, the biggest driving factor. So let me put it that way. The biggest driving factor is money. Mm -hmm. If we shifted that and if we made well-being, the well-being of humanity, the biggest driving factor behind everything we do, our reality would change just like that. Just like that. Because that was the biggest shift I made in my life was that I made my personal well-being the biggest value of my life so everything that i did everything that i um moved forward doing it wasn't about does it bring me more money does it uh does it you know is this a good career move none of those decisions mattered it was like what does it do for my well-being and Mm -hmm. once i made that shift my life just changed moving forward and i believe that if everything that humanity did was based on the well-being of the people, then it would change dramatically. Mm-hmm. And if I can just expand on that just a little bit, that we have cutting edge technology that exists, but it's not public knowledge. It's not uh, even cutting edge technology for healing, for healing cancers, but it's not being approved by governments. To be used because even though this is technology that exists, it's been done by scientists, it's been researched, but it's not being approved because it will, um, it will actually cause the current paradigm, the big money making machine of pharmaceuticals and the current research and the current technology. It would cause that paradigm to lose money. And so new technology is not released at the pace at which it's being developed, it's being released at the pace at which the people who make the money are willing to relinquish.
0: Yeah, or at the pace in which they can find a way to monetize it.
1: Exactly, yes. So it's being released at the pace. I like that. That's a much better way of phrasing it. It's Mm -hmm. being released at the pace at which people can find a way to monetize it. But if we put well-being ahead of money, it would be a very different reality a very different um yeah very different line of evolution um and we would be so far ahead like so basically people's um minds and technology and resources would be used far more for helping people healing people helping the planet as opposed to creating nuclear weapons we spend far more on nuclear weapons than we do on helping people and feeding people.
0: I love those like gifts or whatever they are, where it shows like aliens on another planet. It's like, Oh, should we go down there? And they're like, no, they're still making weapons to blow themselves up. Like what, what's going on? Like, I mean, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's true. I, I, I the money side of things. What have you ever heard about sort of like a third, through 3D, 5D shift, like a new earth? Is the new earth concept something you've heard of? And if you have, what is that?
1: Um, So I believe that we are heading that way. Uh, It's inevitable. So it's only one of two scenarios. (laughs) Either (laughs) we make ourselves extinct or we head that way. But I'm optimistic, extremely optimistic, that we are heading into a new and better reality. Um, but I also feel that those that are holding on to the older reality, um, are going to be holding on tighter and won't let it go into the new reality without kicking and screaming. But I feel that whatever forces that are out there, our own, our own people, our own deceased relatives, or whether it's the, um, extraterrestrials, whatever forces are out there, are actually helping us. So I'm very, very optimistic about moving into this new reality, this Mm. new dimension.
0: We'll just kind of finish up here by talking about sensitivity, since that's your latest book is Sensitive is the New Strong. Um, And what does that mean? What does it mean to be sensitive and how does that help us moving forward?
1: So one of the things that I've noticed is that um, we have been – Brought up to believe it's kind of ingrained in us that sensitivity is a negative thing. And that if you're sensitive, you're going to come last and that you're not going to do well in the world, you're not going to survive, you're not going to succeed. And if you look at it logically, this kind of explains why, you know, like by by actually conditioning people by ingraining these beliefs in us, um, we are actually creating a world where the most insensitive people are the ones that are going to get ahead and become world leaders we're actually um seeing sensitivity empathy as weaknesses as traits that people don't want so those who are sensitive are going to hide it so what are we doing here we've created a world where being we're using brute force um we being brash where being, um, being a bully, being narcissistic, mm-hmm. all these things are the traits that actually get you ahead. And then we kind of wonder, huh, why is the world the way it is? Of course it is, if that's what we're going to teach our kids. And we do that by, like, if you have, especially young males, if, if a boy is sensitive, we tend to say, grow a thicker skin, boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so that's why, If we notice that quite often in in many organizations and in government roles and politics, most of the people, I I won't say all, but most of the people that actually make it to the top are usually the, the ones that are the least sensitive to the needs of other people. So I believe that if we want to change our paradigm, if we do want to enter this fifth dimension, we really need to change the parameters of what it means to be strong and sensitivity needs to actually be seen as a strength if we want leaders who are sensitive to other people's needs if we want leaders if we want this new world where we start changing our values where it becomes where people's well-being is far more valuable than money, where um, cutting edge technology for helping people is far more valuable than developing more nuclear weapons, then we do need to see sensitivity as a strength. And that's what I advocate for, that sensitivity needs to be valued and nourished and encouraged and seen as a strength. And we need to vote in more sensitive people into power. Mm-hmm.
0: I come from a unique position where I, I I feel my orientation with people is awareness. Like I am aware of how you feel, but I don't have, I don't take on your feelings. So I don't have that sort of, I don't have that aspect of empathy. I can, if I've had the direct experience. So I'm a pretty, pretty big firsthand learner. So once I've had the experience, I know now when someone is in a situation, I can empathize more Much more easily and fluidly. But if I haven't had it, I don't necessarily feel your feeling, although I'm aware. So, for anyone out there that feels like me, what is the high road of people that are not necessarily so so sensitive, but have will, have power, have strength? Like, how is that best used and channeled to? on their own or working with sensitive? Like how how can the two worlds sort of join? And I almost feel like this is like, paralleling sort of the masculine and feminine that's happening in the world where not only within each other but more than more than that is actually within each other like how do we unite this masculine and feminine so how does the sensitive work with the the other side the it's not the strong because that's what you're trying to say is that sensitive is strong so how do those sort of energies unite so there's
1: empaths who actually feel what other people are feeling even if they have no experience of it uh, mm-hmm. of, of their own mm-hmm. then there are the people who are just sensitive but not empaths like yourself and my husband danny is like that too mm. um where you are sensitive to the needs of the other person but you're not taking it on in your own body um right. and and i always say people like you people like danny they make the perfect um like say for example um healthcare workers because you don't take on the sickness of the person, whereas an empath actually feels it in their own body. And then, but if you go to the other end of the scale, which is the people who are not even sensitive, they're not even aware of the needs of the people who have needs. So you actually are in the perfect position to help the most amount of people Mm. because you don't get burdened by what they're feeling. Mm. So people like you have great minds for actually working, um, helping them to work their way out of that situation. You Mm -hmm. guys make the best, um, absolutely super caring um, doctors, surgeons, engineers, because your mind can immediately understand. You're sensitive enough to know that, oh, this situation calls for this. I can help them create it. So someone who is an empath is usually burdened by feeling what they're feeling and they don't all, they're not always able to, to help them create the solution. Someone who's on the other end and not sensitive is not even aware what they're feeling. So you are in the perfect position Mm -hmm. to help people create solutions. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people, I would tell people like yourself, I tell Danny, use that strength you have, that sensitivity as a strength to actually create solutions for people and use that voice um, to use your voice to actually Mm -hmm. share it. So, for example, one of the things that Danny is doing now, because he was with me when I was really, really sick and he saw me going through what was supposed to be death um, and he cared for me. He knows what it feels like to have a partner or a spouse who is dying and who is really, really sick. And yet he knows and he knows he knew he knew everything I needed even before I would ask for it. He was able to anticipate it. But if he was an empath, he would have needed breaks from me to recover himself because Mm. he would have been absorbing my feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he would have been burned out, but he wasn't. He was actually able to support Mm. me all the way through. And now he's using his voice to share with other people how they can support um partners and spouses like he's starting a a show a program called Mm -hmm. in sickness and in health speaking to other caregivers because the other thing that happens is that someone who is in your position who is sensitive um people who are like say like i i was going through the illness the person going through the illness gets all the attention but the person who is the primary caregiver doesn't get any support or attention Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are just doing and doing and doing so so that's why he's created he's creating this program for them Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so i so that's why i think people like yourself you can use your voice to Mm -hmm. actually um to to actually beat that drum of sensitivity is a strength it is a strength and we can use it as a strength
0: yeah, beautiful. Just aspects of empathy. And we need, we need, we need, we, everybody is needed. It takes, as I say all the time, it takes all kinds of kinds. And if we were all the same, it wouldn't be this, this, uh, this, uh, this game or this experience or this reality wouldn't be much fun. So thank exactly. you for sharing your story for, um, I feel like I'm, this is me putting words to in maybe in your mouth or describing you in a way that I didn't hear, but like really what it feels like is committing your life's work to, um, to a cause to the cause that the whole planet needs. So (laughs) thank you. And, um, thank you for your time. And I appreciate all of these many gems that you shared with us.
1: Thank you so much, Danica.
0: It it was really a pleasure to be here
1: speaking with you.
0: Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.